Hey everyone, welcome back to the Not So Rare podcast. This is Taylor Lewis here with Liz Beauvais. Today we are going to talk about kind of what it's like for um, parents to to grow up with their kid, um, you know, dealing with a chronic illness and how you can enable them to really take charge of their health and transition into adulthood in a way where they're prepared, they're not overwhelmed and just better managing their care. So kicking us off with Liz here, um, tell me a bit about like what you feel is important for parents to know. So I think one thing that parents, as you're, you're starting this phase, depending on how old your child is, is thinking through what small chunks your child can at least have more insight to, um, which can lead into ownership. Because I think that as a young adult, just sort of being thrown into managing my care and my appointments, there's a lot that can come at you at once. So finding a way to make little small chunks where you're introducing it to your child, I think is really, really important very early on. Yeah. And I think it's never too early to start that. And I think a lot of it's going to come down to allowing your kid to be aware each step of the way about what is going on instead of kind of like sugarcoating and making things seem more childlike. There's going to come a time when they do need to know what they're doing. They do need to know what care they're receiving and how to do that appropriately. So I think from like our little kiddos, really young, you know, grade school kiddos or below, it starts with just talking about it. And I know that that's like a part of acceptance for the parents to have to get through themselves as well. Um, Some parents may kind of want to turn away from it and not make it seem like it's a big deal. And you just go to your appointments and you go home, which is okay. However, I think like an illness like Gorham stout and like lymphangiomatosis and many, many others in our rare disease community and just all over in general, like there's part of it where it's going to stay with them. There aren't cures for what we have. And so if we can just start at a very young age to say like, okay, we're going for this today, this is for this purpose. So example, like we're going for an infusion and the infusion helps strengthen your bones or helps fight off this disease just so they have a better idea of what that means. And I think a a part of this too is understanding what, what you can control, what they can control is part of this process. I know we've talked a lot about how as patients, there's, there's little we can control. So finding those little means of control. So for the example, Taylor was mentioning about infusions, Maybe the first step of control is working with your child to see what they particularly need to be comfortable during those appointments and letting them help build their hospital bag, letting them help build the timeline of when in the day you're going to do different things around the infusion. So that way there's ways that they can help with that planning and really know that this is what I need in order to be, to be content during this infusion. And kind of building off of that too, I think we've talked a bit before with Liz's kind of list of questions that she goes into an appointment with. 
little ones can help you out with that a lot more than we may realize. They have questions too. They are like little sponges. You know, they're listening to everything that's happening in the appointments, taking it in, but sometimes too nervous to ask questions and um, just hospital doctor visits in general scare little kids. So using that, that building of working through your questions sheet can be really collaborative with a little one and make them feel like they're, they're included and their questions are being answered. I would also say to make sure that you carve out time during the appointments where they are asking their questions themselves as well. Um, I know Taylor and I have both experienced many different doctors and nurses and social workers throughout our journeys. And I'm pretty sure every single one of the ones I've encountered would be very open to spending an extra five, 10 minutes just talking to one of the child children about their questions and their concerns. So I think just making it known that they are able to speak during those appointments really is helping getting their voice into the care as well. They get older too. And I think teenagers can be difficult, right? Middle school teenagers, but they're really capable of doing a lot, especially by the time they hit high school, which makes me think of something my mom did for me. And at the time as like a teenager, it was like, oh my gosh, like, I don't want to do this, but it helped me so much as I've gotten older is like making your own appointments. Like my mom would say, okay, call this number and make an appointment for this. And so it kind of like pushed me out of like my shy bubble of like always expecting mom to do that as I was growing up and like really made me take charge of that, which is so important because now as a 28 year old, I am the only one coordinating my care and setting up my appointments and getting everything in line. And so it wasn't such a bad transition at all. When I moved out of the home, when I was a teen going to college, I was used to that already. And it wasn't so daunting and scary. And then pivoting a little bit, I think it's just as important that um, as the children are growing, they understand the different medications they're taking, the doses of those medicines, I know Taylor and I strangely went and purchased the exact same pill coordinators from Amazon without even realizing it. And I think we were both like on video one day taking medicine and realized we had the exact same containers, but we found these really, really cool. They're like little circles. They're different colors that kind of come in a pack. So you can take out, if you're going away for a weekend, take out one or two of those days with you or take the whole pack with you. Just something to help make that, that medicine side a little less draining. I think that probably one of the more depressing things that you can experience is looking over when you wake up and see a giant table full of pills next to you. So finding a way to make that a little bit less daunting, especially for a child or a teenager as they're trying to take ownership to understand what the medicine is that they're taking and what they're taking it for is really important to be able to have them understand and really take a little bit more responsibility as part of their care for that piece. Medication can be really hard for parents to put their kids on in general. And that can be, you know, something that's difficult for you. But I think if it's kind of like said and communicated in a way where it's positive for your kid too, like serolimus could be explained to me, let's just say like this this pill is going to help you feel better. It's this white one. You're going to take four milligrams in the morning, four milligrams at night. It's going to have these side effects, but it doesn't happen for everybody. So if it doesn't happen to you, perfect. That's great. But if it does happen to you, we know where it's coming from. 
but this is going to hopefully help in this way and kind of explaining to them what it's going to do to their body in a way where it's like almost like a strength of yours because it's going to help them feel better. That's kind of like the purpose of why we take these medications. So I think that could be included. I think what I like so much about your description, Taylor, is that you focused on how it's helping you as opposed to doing the deep dive that I know we all have been on into the side effects. And it it's hard not to, but especially as a role model for your children, as a parent, as a caregiver, they look to you for some of that, for some of those emotions, some of those reactions. And so if you are spending that much time in the side effects, more than likely your child will too. So really finding ways to explain why we're going on this medicine, what we're going to be using it for, and then talking about what to look out for and how we'll navigate that, I think is a really great approach to help relieve some of that anxiety that we know you're feeling, but maybe your children don't need to feel as well. Not to get too like mental healthy here and the therapy side of things, but just something I'm thinking of too is when you're communicating these things to your kids and helping them kind of take this ownership, you know, look out for the ways that you are approaching them as a parent. If you're extremely anxious about them taking this pill, they're going to be extremely anxious about taking this pill because you are their role model. They're looking at you. They're watching you. They put their trust in you. So to be aware of kind of what you're exhibiting towards them so that, you know, they can approach it in a healthy way and feel comfortable with it. Absolutely. And I, I know how hard it is to not get caught up. I think that Taylor and I always reach out to each other when we get caught up in it. But I think it's also knowing that you as a parent need to build that connection around you. So that way, if you are in the emotions, if you are anxious about something, you go to a friend, you go to another family member, but allow that to allow that to help ease your pain um, because your children are going to see that anxiety and they're probably going to be even more anxious because you're you're their steady rock. And if you're anxious, then they have a right to be anxious. So really finding a way to, to help navigate this. So that way, as they're taking ownership and moving into some of those positions where they're making decisions, they might not be quite as anxious because they had a really great example in front of them. And I think finding a way to kind of like process as a family and talk about the, the appointments is so important. Like an example could be maybe you guys, you know, had a really long day at the hospital and then on the way home from there, you take half an hour, get some ice cream or stop and do something fun. Liz loves ice cream after appointments, but I'm thinking a way where you can kind of like set this, this standard of these appointments aren't bad. They're not meant to be bad. But sometimes there's parts of it that can be really awful. And so having, you know, taking 30 minutes talking about it as a family, kind of like experiencing the emotions together can really help make your child not feel alone by the time that they're growing up and taking ownership of their health as an adult, they're going to be able to come back to you and talk about it. If they're in a place where that's been the norm they're going to naturally want to do that. And that can be really healthy for them. Yeah. I think Taylor, you've told me that, um, and you, like many of our listeners, I'm sure, do you have a ways to travel for your, your appointments? Um, and I know that when we've talked, 
you said that when you were in college, you even tried to take a friend and you'd kind of make like a long weekend out of it, trying to do something. So that way there is something good and exciting that comes from it, even though parts of it are going to be long and draining. Um, your whole day doesn't have to be long and draining. You can find a way to make your day a little bit more enjoyable, um, whether that's ice cream, which is my my preference. I'm always a proponent for ice cream, but maybe going out to dinner or maybe going for a walk in the park before you go home, just something to to make it a little bit more of an exciting day so that way the whole day doesn't have to be medical related. Yeah, something that was always fun and Mom, if you're listening, <laughs> thank you for this because when um I was at Stanford and a lot of my appointments were there when I was living in California, they have a super nice mall about like five minutes from there. And my and it was like an outdoor mall, and my mom would take me there and we'd walk around, we'd get lunch, we'd kind of like window shop and just like get fresh air. And that was like a fun way of ending the appointment. Also, there was Kara's cupcakes and they were across the street as well. And that was like a tradition. Every time I went to one of these appointments, I'd end with a cupcake. So that was really cool. I think it's funny that we both like to end our appointments with something like terrible for us, like ice cream or a cupcake. We have to, you know, eat our feelings at the end of these. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, I am a big proponent of dessert after stressful appointments. And I don't know if it's just like the inherent, I want chocolate or I want something a little bit sweeter, but um, I feel like dessert makes things better. (laughs) Yeah. So kind of for the parents, you know, getting creative, thinking of ways that, that you can kind of like not look at these appointments as a chore or a job really helps the kids grow into a place of not hating their disease. If there's something good that can come from that day and there's something that they can look forward to, I'm not saying you have to like go out and spend a bunch of money, but a $2 cupcake really made like the difference in my day and made me not so fearful or um, nervous to go back in the future. I also think by bringing your children, your kids, your teenagers into the process of scheduling and figuring out where these fit in the month. Now I know that you might not have a whole lot of control. There might be one appointment left and that's the appointment you can take. But, um, if it's something that you're a couple months out and trying to get things scheduled, I'm someone that I always like to have my next appointment scheduled within like a week of the previous appointment, just so I can plan around it. Um, but if you have teenagers, they probably have activities with their friends. If they're in any clubs or anything, they have a life too, or they're starting to have a life. So have it helping them understand how to navigate that is going to make it so much easier bef- when they're younger. So that way it's really kind of ingrained. Like Taylor and I both had to learn how to navigate appointments in our lives. And it's hard just to kind of figure out how to juggle all of that from a calendar perspective. Yes, that is such a good point. Something I can think of that really helped me is I found that having like a planner from an early age, like I started to use my academic planner in high school to also like put my appointments in. And that was really helpful for me to be like, okay, this Friday I have this going on. So I can't, you know, hang out with friends at this time, but maybe I can schedule something afterwards and trying to kind of like 
shifted in to to their schedules as they become teenagers and have cars and want to drive places and be independent, I think is really important. And that's something you can do from a really young age. Maybe you put a calendar up in your kid's bedroom and you, you know, mark off the days and then you put, you know, ice cream after, or you, you know, once they're able to kind of do it themselves in middle school, beginning to go over the appointments, have them fill in their calendars because I rely on my calendar. I now have it on my phone. I just use like Google calendar and I don't know where I would be without using a planner like that because there's so many different appointments, so many different specialists that like you almost need something to put down that is not just circling in your head all the time. I also find, and this is might just be the type A person in me. So I'm sorry if our listeners don't relate to this at all. But I find a lot of satisfaction between like crossing things off of my calendar too. Like, oh, this was a this was a week that had three appointments, but I got through the two of them already. We're almost there. There's only one left. And I know that that way that after that I can celebrate the weekend. Like just being able to see that gives me gives me that drive or that hope to keep to keep moving and being positive throughout the rest of the week. So I I'm someone that actually has a physical calendar because I like the joy of highlighting and crossing and putting stickers in and really doing whatever I can just to stay motivated and organized. Yeah. And kind of what I'm thinking too, um, as we're bringing up the calendar, I actually have like a reminder set in my phone calendar that says Sundays are for pill organizing. So because the last thing I want to do is, you know, be in the middle of my week and be out of pills and then having to like scramble to get them all filled. It takes me about 10 to 15 minutes to fill it all up for the week instead of, you know, having bottles all over the place and feeling really disorganized. But something I'm kind of thinking of that would be really cool is as your middle schooler is learning to kind of organize these pills and get them set up, you know, maybe if they successfully do it for like, four weeks at a time and they do it on their day. Maybe there's some kind of incentive of something you guys do together to kind of like celebrate them doing that and being successful at that, because it's little things like that, that are going to be so helpful to them as they become adults and managing their own medication, because we know how important it is to take these things daily. And I think along with that too, is I know that some people do need to take medicine throughout the day or need to take their medicine with them if they're traveling with friends or to school or even back to the doctor's office. I know there's a period of time where I was taking bottles back and forth to my doctors because that's where I was able to get my medicine. And I found finding a way to get that, those pill bottles and something that wasn't the pharmacy bag was really important as well. So finding a fun bag they can go into or something to hide them a little bit. That way your, your child is not feeling quite so self-conscious if they're at a sleepover and their pill bottles falls out of the bag. It's at least in like a little bag inside their bag. So that way it's not as obvious. Um, might also be something just to give them a little bit more sense of self-confidence and really less having to think and explain what's going on if their bag falls open. So I've talked about my hospital bag before, and I want to talk about it a little bit more for young people, you know, taking control and ownership of their health, because I found this hospital bag of mine and it's changed over the years to different bags, but 
has been so helpful in my viewing of my appointments, how they go, how successful I am in like when I was in college, I'd take my laptop books, you know, maybe it was a book not related to school to kind of keep my mind off of things. I would fill it with all kinds of things. And I think that can start from a young age if you don't do it already. You know, little kids bring fun stuffed animals or coloring books. Middle schoolers can bring, um, you know, video games or whatever it is that they want and like kind of teaching them to like bring things can make these like long appointments not so terrible in the waiting room and really help mental health. I am really excited because I haven't not, I'm not excited because I have an appointment this week. I'm excited because this will be the first week that I'm not going to be taking schoolwork to my appointment. So I'm really kind of now thinking through like, what's going to take that place of that hole in my hospital bag or that place in my like activities of while I'm trying to get my mind out of the the fact that I'm in the waiting room. So I really would love if we have any listeners out there who have some really great ideas that they use in their hospital bags to share with us, because I, I now need to figure out what to do while I'm in the waiting room. That's not going to be writing papers. Thinking a little bit more about that transition period kind of brings me to bring up, and I know obviously I've brought it up a lot before, but incorporating mental health into a normal standard of care for everybody dealing with an illness. And I know some people may be thinking, you know, my kid's so strong, my kid's doing really great. They're, you know, they never complain, like whatever it is, but I think there's a lot more going on in kids' minds than they feel comfortable sharing sometimes. And they see how mom and dad are coping with things. And I think it's important to normalize that for them, normalize the social workers coming in, possibly seeking a therapist, possibly, you know, reaching out, getting that help or kind of creating this support network that Liz and I have talked about is so great for us in the community, having somebody to talk to and that understands what you're going through is so important that that's really what has helped me transition into adult care from being a young person, because there's so many different life challenges that come as you get older with the rare disease that having people to talk about it with is so important. I think what's important is making sure that your whole family has ways to express these emotions and have support. So, so yes, obviously your, your child who's going through this has, has needs and needs to talk about this and needs to find ways to make sure that they're emotionally supported as well as you, but look around your family. If there's siblings, um, I think siblings are often not paid as much attention to as we would like sometimes making sure that they have a means to have some of that support or have a way to get a little bit away from some of these appointments if they're kind of just tagging along, making sure that they also um, understand, but also know where their role is um, as a family and as a family unit. I know that we've we had a really great parent on in one of our earlier episodes, Jen, who had a really great example that she shared of how her whole family is involved and supportive. And that was just really inspiring to me. And I, as I, as you are looking at giving your 
your child a little bit more ownership and a little bit more control as part of their appointments and their, their disease care. Just making sure that we're paying attention to the siblings as well and that they have the support they need. Kind of another piece that I'm thinking, and I feel like I could talk about this topic for three days straight, honestly, because there's so much to it, but kind of as the last piece I'm thinking of is to allow your kid to want to do what they want to do, to take in consideration of what is important to them, what is included in their quality of life, because you can can try you can try and control them and, you know, keep them in this bubble, this little sick bubble, but you're going to find as they get older, they're going to be in charge of their care. They're going to be on their own. So it's about finding balance and it's about finding how can we assist them and allow them to do what they want to do while also taking into consideration like management of care. Absolutely. And we, we often talk about how we as patients are trying to use our voice. And I think that that voice can be important regardless of the age or stage that someone is in their acceptance process. So really helping your, your child as they are growing to find their voice um, and be able to use it to help share what's important to them, what impacts them, what they care about the most. Because sometimes it might not necessarily be the most obvious answer. Definitely. So parents, guardians, grandparents, whoever is listening to this, I hope that this has kind of provided some support for you and guidance in transitioning young ones through teenage years and adulthood. Um, It can be a lot. Uh, I can totally understand that just watching, you know, how it was for my parents as well. But we appreciate you listening to this and please reach out if you have any questions or comments to our Instagram or Facebook at the Not So Rare podcast. Thank you guys for listening today. Have a wonderful Sunday. This has been the Not So Rare podcast.